Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Down the block, Andrew John. Inside for Elba. Elba will score. Elba will score. Newcastle has won. G'day guys, welcome back to the Rugby League Guru Podcast. I was lucky enough to be invited onto the Para Cave Podcast the other day. Troy, the host there, champion fella, huge Parramatta Eels fan and a huge Rugby League fan as well. Runs a fantastic podcast over there with a heap of guests from the Parramatta Eels and just from the NRL in general over the last 30 or 40 years. Champion bloke, we talked all things Parramatta Eels. We recorded this one before their round one game. So thankfully for Troy, uh, his Parramatta Eels, they got a W yesterday against the Gold Coast Titans. Great game, high scoring, few things to work on for Parramatta, but a lot of good signs coming out of that one, without a doubt. Uh, enjoy the, this chat with Troy. If you want to switch over to the Paracave podcast, please do uh, support what Troy is doing, support what all rugby league content creators are doing at the moment. They all got to do a lot of time and effort, and I know Troy in particular, he puts a lot of work into his content. I'll hand it over to Troy now. As you heard from his intro, my guest today on the Paracase podcast is a, a, a bloke with a wealth of knowledge of rugby league. His, his knowledge is exceptional. He's got his own podcast, the Rugby League Guru podcast. He's also a, a guest host on the Bloke in a Bar podcast. Um, but most importantly, a rugby league lover like myself. Welcome to the Paracase podcast, Rugby League Guru, Mr. Nathan Bergen. Thank you, Troy. Thanks for having me, mate. Really looking forward to uh, getting stuck into some footy. You must be excited about your uh, eels just quietly after that trial. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, um, it is only a trial game at the end of the day, but you still have to turn up and you still have to beat whoever's in front of you. So, um, no, it was a very good uh, performance for the the eels a couple of weeks ago. You certainly turned up, no doubt about that. Uh, Definitely. Now... We'll start off with a few uh, rugby league, um, about your love for rugby league, first of all, and then in podcast, and then we'll jump into a, a season preview, so to speak, of the Eels. But we'll start off with, how did you fall in love with the game of rugby league? Uh, mate, my family's always been uh, obsessed with the game, to be honest with you. I'm 
I'm, I'm, I'm probably the, the the biggest one now, realistically. But at a young age, my old man, my uncles and everything, uh, very, very keen on rugby league, always were. I had a great uncle who I didn't have a heap to do with when I was growing up, but he, um, Tony Durkin, he was uh, head editor yeah. for Rugby League Week up there in Queensland. He went on three or four kangaroo tours. So, uh, I mean, mate, r- rugby league's just been part of my family. Uh, for a very long time. So um, not that I'm upset about it, but I, I don't think I, I had a choice about it in re- regardless anyway, to be honest with you, mate. It was always just part of what we did, what we spoke about, uh, what we bonded over pretty much. Who have been some of your favourite players from over the years? Uh, mate, probably for me as a kid, my favourite was Brad Fittler. Um, I yeah. just love the way that Freddie went about his business. So you could put him in one of like four different jerseys and he was probably the best player in the game. Center, lock, 5'8", didn't really matter. Um, essentially played halfback most of the time and, you know, could have been um, the best back rower in rugby league at, at that time, I think, if he got put there. So I just love the way that Freddie went about his footy. Um, the year that I grew up watching footy as a kid was Freddie, Joey and Lockie and I just loved watching those three. And then as a... You know, as time moved on, I always loved the big three from Melbourne. Uh, I know a lot of people aren't overly, you know, don't don't love Melbourne, but I just appreciate yeah. a good system and good players within a system. And those three were incredible. Thurston, Matty Bowen, very entertaining. Um, get to the modern game. I really love watching uh, Luke here at the moment. I'm a big fan of him. I'm very keen to see him back uh, in our game. I just love the way that he plays down short sides. I love, you know, at the Roosters, as I said, I do like, like a good system. I love the way that Radley plays and how underrated he is. Over at your Eels, I love Dylan Brown. I know he's caught a bit of stick over the last two years, but I just love how tough he is and how he, he just plays on every single play. I'm a huge fan of Dylan Brown, and hopefully... Uh, you know, NRL.com throws him a few stats that he deserves this year because they haven't the last few years. And um, I'm very excited about Dill Brown moving forward as well, mate. Yeah, let's hope he can have a massive season. Now, I know from listening to your podcast that you don't really follow a team. You follow more the game and the players. Yep. Uh, but did you ever follow it a team growing up? Mate, I never really followed a team. I've, I've, I've followed players. Um, so. Okay. Yeah. I mean, like, there, there was probably points where, where people would have thought, oh, I go for this team, I go for that. I was always following players. So, um, Freddie was my first player I really liked. So, I was always yeah. uh, out at the SFS watching him and the Chooks play, which meant that I was watching reserve grade as well. And there was a kid that I always really liked in reserve grade. Uh, he went on to have an unbelievable career, Jamie Soward. So, when he moved to the Dragons, I sort of cheered him on a little bit. Um, okay. And then, yeah, I've, I've always just, just gone for players, to be honest with you, mate. I, I've loved the Melbourne Storm system for a long time and always supported those guys and wanted to see them win. Uh, but, mate, I haven't really – I've never really had a team. My girlfriend's a mad South Sydney fan, so I sit through all of those games and um, yeah. um, support her in that. But uh, I, I still wouldn't put my name next to any club as a fan and hopefully people can see that in my uh, analysis and reporting of the game. Do that uh – I guess help you with your with your podcast, not actually following one thing. Oh, mate, it does. I mean, um, you know, I, I know there's a lot of other people out there doing the exact same stuff as me that go for a team and sometimes you can see that coming through and to be honest with you sometimes you can see it coming through in me just based on who's in my super coach team or who I've had a punt on that weekend so I'm not excluded um, from being biased but I definitely think that it, uh, it helps my situation a little bit more and I think that people that uh, are able to take in all my content and appreciate 
the positives and the negatives I say about each club can see that I really don't have a team that I go for. But, uh, mate, I have been accused of uh, going for every single team and hating every single team <laughs> weekly. So uh, you win some, you lose some. Definitely. Now, did you ever play rugby league uh, growing up as a kid? Not well. I did play, but not, not, well. not very well. Okay. I, I always loved um, talking about it, coaching it, watching it uh, a lot more. Still yep. coach aside. Uh, I'm not sure yep. if I'll have time to do it this year, realistically, but I'll still be popping my head around and involved. Um, yeah, tackling and fitness was never really that high up on my priority list, to be <laughs> honest with you. I'd rather, uh, you know, play tag or touch with uh, with mates pretty much. But did play. Uh, was never too crash hot, to be honest with you. So, um, yeah, but always knew what had to be done and, where the ball needed to be and where our team needed to be, but didn't really have the skill yep. set to um, execute on it realistically. Uh, so uh, tackling wasn't one of my best features <laughs> either. Growing up playing, um, what have been uh, what what's been your most memorable rugby league moment that you've been privileged to to see live? Mate, I've been very lucky to beat a lot of big games. I think out of the last, um, I did it the other day, I think out of the last 21 grand finals, I've been at the stadium for about 17 of them. Um, So there's some huge moments and and a lot of big state of origin moments. As I said, when, when I was a kid, um, I was, you know, Brad Fittler was my favourite and I was there in 2004 when he did the charge down and scored in his farewell origin game. And that's a moment that I'll never forget. We got last minute's tickets and we're sitting in the absolute nosebleeds, the last row of the top um, yeah. stadium. And uh, <laughs> you, you, it, it was so high <laughs> that I remember we couldn't see the other sideline. That's how high it was. Okay. It was wow. terrifying up there for, you know, a 12-year-old. But when Freddie scored that try, was crazy. Um, I always think back to when Steve Menzies scored that try in 08. That was right in front of us. The Benji flick, that was insane. Oh, yeah. um, the Thurston Field goal has to be right up there though I remember when he took the the shot at goal like just just the angle I was sitting on I was directly like there was a line between me Thurston and the black dot and I remember watching that ball in the air and just thinking this there's no way this will miss and you could sort of see that Thurston had the same viewpoint and he was excited and then it hit the post and you know just couldn't believe it that's probably a moment that stands out for me um Seen a number of teams, you know, end premiership drought, South Sydney, Cronulla, the Cowboys. Those were very special moments as well, no doubting that. Well, I mean, a lot of people do say that the 89 grand final was the best grand final, but uh, for me, I was probably a little bit younger those days. Um, but, yeah, that 2015 grand final um, definitely rates for me as the best grand final I've seen. Yeah, I, I, I can understand uh, both sides of the argument. I, I, I still think that if you take out extra time in the last five or ten minutes of that uh, 15 grand final, it doesn't come close to the 89 grand final. But there's no there's no doubt whatsoever that as a whole, uh, that 15 grand final, it's right up there uh, with the 89, uh, undoubtedly. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. Well, let's talk about your, your podcast, the Rugby League Guru podcast, which, by the way, listeners, is a great listener listen, uh, keep you up to date with all the rugby league news and opinions and also the odd interview here and there as well, but how did you get into podcasting? What made you start one up? Uh, mate, I had the page for two or three years for those that um, don't, don't don't follow my page or aren't aware of it. I was um, it's, it's Rugby League Guru now. It started off as uh, super coach guru so I was doing all my super coach stuff which I absolutely love and just decided that yeah. I thought I could take it further and expand out which I did and then about a year or two into that I think I had about uh, maybe 20,000 followers at that point on Instagram and I just sort of I, I sort of had to make a decision whether I wanted to 
continue with my current job or go all in and try and make something out of this and I had to look into how I was going to make revenue off the back of it and um, podcasting was always something that interests me I'll be honest with you when, when, when I was a kid from probably fuck, age 6 to maybe like 17 I had the most chronic stutter of all time I could hardly fucking talk uh, which, which not too many people know and uh, so for my mates that when I started a podcast they were all just like are you for real you're kidding yourself you couldn't you, you know you couldn't spit out five sentences where when you were 15 yeah. 16 you know so uh, i was a pretty wild turn of events but mate honestly i'm just i just feel so comfortable sitting behind the mic i it's it's now a full-time job for me and i get you know i, I get paid to essentially talk like i'm at the pub on a saturday with my mates you know so it's a dream job I, I when i started it all i didn't anticipate any of this to happen in any way shape or form but just as the journey's gone on had to work out how i was going to make revenue out of it um a lot of money in advertising in podcasts so uh yeah it's all worked out really well mate as i said doing it full time now so uh very exciting just keen to uh, get a ball kicked you know yeah definitely not too far away now um like myself you've been able to interview some uh guests on the show uh who has been really that one that you've really enjoyed interviewing? Mate, it's funny. I um, The more and more people I interview, uh, the more I, I sort of come to realise that as cool as it is to get, you know, the very big names. Like I had Nathan Cleary on last year and that was unbelievable. He'd won a Clive Churchill yeah. medal. He'd captained a premiership six weeks before that. Um, that was sensational uh, to, to talk to Nate. It was incredible, but... You know, even talking to Nath, you know, like there wasn't really much that he said that you probably already didn't know. Um, you know, I remember sitting down with Mark Guy and interviewing him and he was a hero of mine growing up and sort of same situation. There wasn't really anything that you hadn't heard before. It's the guys that, you know, they've sort of been treated a, a little bit poorly by a few clubs and they've got the real experience, the NRL, and they're not guys that you hear talking on Channel 9 and, and Fox League and all that, that you get the really interesting stories like Michael Witt. He was one that I absolutely loved. When he championed yep. bloke and he'd been to a few clubs, he'd been treated poorly at a number of them and bounced around a heap of them. He was sensational. Uh, Michael Barney was another good one. He's got an unbelievable okay. story yep. where he's come from. So, mate, the more and more I do it, the, the more I find that you guys that have played, you know, state of origin and internationals, they're, they're, they're good to talk to. There's no doubt about it. But you get a real raw sense of what the NRL is all about when you talk to those fringe guys that have bounced around a couple of clubs and have uh, sort of done things the hard way. The guys that have got 150 to 200 first grade games, but they've played for four clubs. They've never played Origin. They've never played Rep. They've got the occasional city country jersey. Uh, they're the guys that I find really interesting, mate, because they don't only see the good side of rugby league. They see the bad side of it at uh, times for players, which we don't really hear about. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's great to talk to the superstars. Um, but as you said, it's great to talk to these uh, first graders who probably didn't necessarily have that success in the game, but still managed to play first grade. And you know, someone like Paul Courage, who I had the benefit of talking to, you know, someone like that, it's, it's great to hear their stories. It's great to hear their experiences too because you talk to these stars and you ask them about coaches and, oh, yeah, we had a good relationship. And it's like, well, of course you had a good relationship because they needed you every week to be in the right frame of mind whereas you talk to a Michael Witt I mean there's no coach that's ever needed Michael Witt if you know what I mean so Witty had to yeah. he had to perform every week he had to be you know ticking all of his boxes to stay relevant and that's with all due respect to, to Michael Witt but you know he, he'll, he'll be the first one to say that as well and there's a heap of guys 
that I've spoken to like that that have just been um, so interesting to hear their experiences, especially when they end up in situations where they're under champion coaches uh, and you sort of you, you overlook the, those sort of moments and the experiences that those guys have um, with those sort of guys. Jamie Soud was another one. He's obviously, um, you yeah. know, cops a bit of shit for, from the public and whatnot. But for me, I was always a huge fan of Soudy growing up and I think that people still undervalue how good his his kicking game was. I think there's a fair argument that there was a moment there where he was probably the best kicker of a football on the planet, realistically, Jamie Soward. So, uh, yeah, th- those are the sort of guys that, that, that I love talking to. Yeah, well, he's doing pretty well, Soward, at the moment. Two from two with the Dragons NRLW team. So it's good to see him doing well in the coaching ranks. Yeah, he's uh, doing good things, Soward. Good fella, too. Yeah, for sure. Now... Uh, as you said, it's a full-time job now, your, your podcast, and you're a busy man because we can also hear your dogs at Pones on the Bloke in a Bar podcast. Um, and as you said, it's become from humble beginnings, pretty successful. What um, advice could you give the perspective podcasters to help achieve their goals and what would be some of the key points, do you think? Uh, mate, it's an interesting one. I mean, I like I, I'll always put cards on the table and say that I've also, as much as I've worked my ass off for it, I've been very lucky in a number of ways that things have sort of uh, fallen my way. And podcasting's hard, you know. There's so many, there's so many podcasts out there. There's so many quality podcasts that sort of differentiating yourself um, can be a little bit difficult. I, I the, the number one thing that I see with podcasts that I think is. Um, uh, it, it some sometimes it's a mistake or sometimes people just undervalue it and we had a conversation about this pro- probably two weeks ago I mean you can have yeah. the best interview in the world you, you can have this unbelievable interview but if you're not putting content onto social media to drag people in um, it's very hard to get listens and stand out from everyone else I mean for, for me like I don't do as many interviews as what I used to but you know myself and Denim will We'll sit down every Monday, every Monday, and talk about rugby league, and I will try and make like fifteen bits of content out of that. Um, j- j- just little clips, little quotes, whatever it might be. Um, the way that I always looked at it, um, and I think it was uh, Isaac John that uses this uh, um, analogy as well. You know, you, you your actual podcast people listen to that's at the bottom of the funnel, and all your content is at the very top. You've got to get people to the top of the funnel so they fall through and they actually come and listen to your podcast because I think one thing that it took me a long time to realise was that as podcasters, you know, we, 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 we make this amazing content. It's unreal. We put it out there. But for the average person, I mean, they look at my podcast or, you know, they look at any podcast and yes, they could listen to that one, but they've also got 150 other options of shit they can listen to. And that's yeah, just that's in rugby it. league. I mean, people have interests, <laughs> unlike me, people have interests outside of rugby league as well. So you're also yeah. just competing with everything out there. The thing I'm finding more and more, uh, the best content wins. If you've got the best content, people will fall into your funnel. Uh, then they come to the, your podcast and man, it's, it sounds silly, but you know, people nowadays it's such an effort to go through four or five clicks to get somewhere you've got to make it as easy as possible you've got to make it as appealing as possible and then you've got one or two podcasts to convince them to hang around uh that's what i found with the nathan cleary one i got this huge bump of people listening um but i knew that the next week after that was the most important because that's where people decided am i going to hang around here or is that a one-hit wonder after Nathan Cleary. So you've got to really take advantage of those big hits you're able to get. But our content, it's the key for me. Oh, some great advice there uh, for the podcasters and, and listeners. If after this one, 
tune into the Rugby League Guru podcast. Some great content there uh, every day, every week, especially during footy season. All right, let's turn our our attention to season 2022 and a bit of a Parramatta Eels season preview and by the time this comes out the Eels will hopefully have won their round one clash versus Titans in terms of the season let's start off with um, with the departure of the five players that we know of at the end of the year do you think that'll be a distraction if the team loses a few games in a row or do you think it'll galvanise the side together to get the job done one last time Mate, uh, it's an interesting one with Parramatta. Like, it obviously could go um, either way there. I, you know, obviously Parramatta and, you know, you'd know better than anyone when they do start to lose games and whatnot. The media is all over them uh, like vultures straight away. And I think that that will be the picture the media will try and paint that Isaiah Papali, Reid Marnie, these guys, they, you know, they don't want to be there, et cetera, et cetera. But, um, mate, I, I just think this Parramatta side... <sighs> You know, it's weird. Whenever I do a preview, you know, I can't put them anywhere outside of the top six. I think they're definitely locked into that top six, and I think they are miles better than what the um, the ten teams underneath them. Uh, but I'm I'm just not sure if I can put them in that top three just yet. And that's, okay. yep. you know, people, Parramatta fans, pro- pro- you know, probably get upset by me saying that. But man, it's just credit to how fucking good these top three teams are. And it's so funny, yeah. like, you know, Parramatta for me are the fifth or sixth, probably fifth best team, potentially fourth best team in this competition. And I would never argue with that. But I mean, it's just like because because Parramatta's so good and they're in that top six, they're in the premierships business. So they're being compared to those top three teams. They're not getting compared to the bottom 10 teams anymore. So it's sort of, they're in a really awkward position where they probably get more negatives than other teams even though they're so much better than all those other teams because they are, like, I, when I'm talking about the Warriors, I don't compare them to Melbourne and the Roosters, realistically, if you know what I mean. I compare them to yeah. the Dragons, the Raiders, and that's where Parramatta's in a really tough position. I, I, I've said for a long time that I, I don't think this team is ready to win a premiership, but, mate, after watching the performance you guys put on against Penrith in the finals last year, I've never been more confident that you can take that next step. Whether you do or not, I'm not sure. But I, I can't rule Parramatta out of contention for a premiership this year. Uh, a lot of people are saying that the premiership window is closing. Do you think that's the same as well? The premiership window is closing? Uh, I, I wouldn't... I, I think after this year, once you lose those guys, I, I think it is more closed than open. But I wouldn't say it's yeah. closing. I mean, you've still got a very... Uh, you know, a, a very young spine between Gutho, Moses, Dill Brown. They've still got a lot more years in them. I, I don't mind you getting your hands on Josh Hodgson, to be honest with you. I think he'll, he'll be decent for a year or two there. Um, I also think that, you know, even when, when Isaiah Papaliti walks out, I mean, you've still got a top five, a top six at absolute worst forward pack for me with Junior Paulo, Regan Campbell-Gillard, Matto. I mean, mate, the, 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 the team is still there. I, I think Reed will be a massive loss, I think. I think Isaiah probably will be a big loss. There's no doubt about that. But um, he's a guy that you got for, you know, basement price who you've potentially got his absolute best football out of. Uh, I I don't mind. I like him, but I don't mind it from Parramatta's perspective as a time to move off him. Even if he kills it this year, um, I I just think that you've got a heap of value out of him. Um, It's probably been a kick up the ass for some of your other forwards as well to see this guy that was a reserve grader at the Warriors come in and be their best forward by a country mile. If I was Sean Lane, Junior Paulo, Ryan Madison, 
I take that personally, to be honest with you. Um, so I, mate, I, I wouldn't say it's closed. I think it's clo- like it, it's closer to, to to being closed, but I definitely wouldn't say it is closed, mate. You still got a heap of talent everywhere. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I agree. I mean, of those uh, five players that have left, uh, probably Reed, Reed is probably the most disappointing one. Um, but I can't blame the others for uh, going to greener pastures. Uh, so to speak they're going for opportunity and obviously money as well but yeah Reed's a disappointing one for me I mean like he's a huge loss don't get me wrong but when you consider it from the salary cap perspective you know the difference between Reed Marnie and Josh Hodgson is big there's no doubt about that I'd much rather have Reed Marnie but in order to keep him the money you would have had to have paid him and the money you're gonna pay Josh Hodgson that gap is huge for me so I, I just think all in all Yes, I would rather have Reed Marnie, but I don't think it's as much of a downgrade from an entire squad point of view uh, as what it probably yeah. seems. That's right. Uh, how much of an advantage do you think playing back at Combank Stadium this season is for the Eagles? Oh, mate, it's going to be huge. You, you play your absolute best footy there. I think that it was it was really poor timing as far as when that stadium opened that you were starting to build a real fortress there. I think people forget how good Parramatta were at that stadium. Um, and then to go into the COVID lockdown and go up to Queensland and everything, it, it was really terrible timing for Parramatta because they were building something really special there. And once again, I think people forget how good they were there. So, mate, I'm really keen to see you return there and see if you guys can um, keep that up because it really was becoming like a trip to Melbourne. It was oh, becoming yeah. a real pain in yeah. the ass going to that stadium. I've only been there once and the day I was there was, was that Nines tournament. I was one of a handful of people that were there. So it was nowhere near capacity, but it is yeah. just like a, it, it's, it, you, you're just, you're on top of the field. I imagine when it is full of blue and gold, it would be a nightmare for um, opposition teams going there. Yeah, I mean, uh, it was a fortress. I think we only lost, I think, three games, four games, I think, uh, so far playing there. So, yeah, let's hope we can turn it back there. But, yeah, the noise is unbelievable when there's 28,000, 29,000 people there. So. And, and the vast um, majority of times, it's a fast track, and that really suits you guys. It suits your forward pack down to a T. You, you've got a heap of offloaders in your side, and then you've got a spine who can just zing a ball from left to right as far as they want with your strike out on the edges. I, you, you're, you're a team that is well suited to that stadium as well. Yeah, yeah that's it. And I think um, kicking off with a, a day game, and I think there is a few uh, day games as well, so that'll be, that'll be great to see. Now, you mentioned Dylan Brown there before. Do you think he or is there another or players under the most pressure this, this season? Mate, I, I think Dylan Brown's under a lot of pressure from outside of those four walls. I, I'm not sure if he's under that much pressure inside those four walls, to be honest yeah. with you. I think that the coaching staff know enough about rugby league to understand the role that he plays. I've said it for a long time. Uh, fans get too wrapped up in stats and triassists and all this sort of stuff when the reality is that, you know, I have people that say, oh, look, Gutho had, you know, 25 triassists and, you know, Dylan Brown had two, and it's like, yeah, okay, but if you actually go and watch those 25 tries that Clint Gutherson has, how many times is it Dylan Brown that manipulates the entire line, throws it out the back, then Gutho's in a three on two? Like, it goes a lot deeper than stats. I think Dylan Brown as well, he's, you know, I think I saw a stat a few weeks ago from Random Stats Guy pointing it out that he's the best defensive back in the competition, not just half, he's the best defensive back. 
Um, you know, every time you see Parramatta, you know, concede a long field try, if, you know, if a winger or whatever scores in the corner, the guy that's there is Dylan Brown. I, I mean, he makes all yeah. these try-saving tackles that we all talk about, which is great. But he is putting on efforts on every single play. It doesn't matter which corner they're scoring in. Dylan Brown's always there. And that's the that's the football sense that he's got as well. He can even sense when there's going to be a break, when a team's got an advantage and he puts himself there. And, I mean, people say, oh, you know, the blonde hair, the the, the, the dancing, the drinking. Oh, he, he thinks he's too yeah. cool. Mate, he works his ass off for the Parramatta Eels. And I don't think people appreciate it enough. For sure. Do you think Brad Arthur's under a lot of pressure? been a results driven business yeah well mate this is where it's so bloody hard because you know brad arthur is constantly under pressure he like respectfully he walked in on an absolute basket case now they are yeah. consistently a top six team and as i said i i think the top three teams we've got right now they are it, it's it's one of the like the the high-end talent of those top three teams is is like the the top end of any competition we've ever seen in the nrl it takes me back to you know, how dominant the Broncos and the Raiders were in the early 90s, the Roosters and Canterbury's in the early 2000s. Like, it is bloody hard to get anywhere near that top three. And Parramatta, mate, on their day, they they beat those sides. They beat Melbourne twice last year. They just got knocked over by by Penrith in the finals, missing their, their hooker. So it, it is so tough to say Brad Arthur's under pressure, but it also is part of the territory with being the Parramatta coach, um, you know, you, you're under pressure all the time. Realistically, you're a club that expects premierships. That, that That's the mindset of Parramatta Eels fans. That's been engraved in you guys, you know, since the 1980s when Sturlow and Kenny were running around and Parramatta hasn't won in a long time, so you're always going to be under pressure there. But I, I just look at what Brad Arthur's done to keep a team. I mean, you, you've had like one or two years under him where, 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 where you've gone to shit. But outside of that... It's been a top yeah. six finish every year. You might not be true, true contenders to win a premiership those last few years, but I think now he's getting them to the point where he is. Um, but, yeah, it's going to be an interesting two years once these guys leave and whatnot, how Brad goes. But, uh, mate, I, I, I always say that there's only five or six coaches in this competition you genuinely want to coach your team. They're Bellamy, Bennett, um, you know, the, the, these sort of guys. And I wouldn't put Brad Arthur in that group, but... Mate, he's not yep. far below that group. He'd probably have to be seventh or eighth realistically. And um, people want to win comps, and I get that. And that should be Parramatta's um, pa- Parramatta's drive to, to win a comp. They're not in the relevant business anymore. They're in the premierships business, and mate, sometimes that can be fucking cutthroat, you know. Oh, for sure. Yeah, especially with that thirty-six year drought. Um, with the, how do you think the Eels get over that second straight? Uh, Second week straight set finals loss after the, especially after the last three years. You think they use that loss against Penrith? I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. The motivation or completely different? Mate, oh, I think they will use it as a motivation. And to be honest with you, mate, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I know the answer of how to get Parramatta to 
you know, overcome um, their worries on the big stages. I don't know what the answer is. You'd need, you know, this this is where I think that if Parramatta are to move Brad Arthur on, they need to get one of those big six coaches that has been there on the big stages and has delivered. If they were to move Brad Arthur on and go for, you know, another coach that hasn't performed in finals or hasn't won a premiership, I, I just think it's very sideways, you know. Um, I, I, I don't know how they overcome, you know, their, their, their issues that they've got in finals. And it's the age-old question, you know. You just you, you can't just buy experience. You've, it's just got to come. And I, I think it will come eventually for Mitch Moses, Dill Brown and, and Clint Gutherson. Um, but it is just going to take time. The hard thing is with them that, you know, Dylan Brown doesn't play State of Origin. Clint Gutherson, you know, he, he's probably not going to play Origin. Moses played one game last year, but he's probably not going to be there. So your key spine is young, and there's no other real experienced head that's a true winner in that club. And then they don't get the opportunities for six weeks every year to spend time with these, you know, your Munsters, your Kearys, yeah. your Clearys, these sort of guys. That's where it's really hard for Parramatta. And it's just unlucky because Gutho's a gun fullback, but you've got so many fucking fullbacks that you have to pick some of them in the centres. So it's near impossible for him to get in the side. You've got great halves. You've got great five eight. So it's very hard for, you know, the other guys yeah. to make it in. And, you know, Dill Brown would have normally played international footy the last two years, but he hasn't been able to. So it's a very awkward position for uh, Parramatta. I mean, mate, you uh, imagine if you would have had... Um, Reed Marnie in the finals last year, and if he would, if he wouldn't have got injured, and he would have played an entire Origin series working with DCE, working with Munster, these sort of guys, it would have taken his game to a new level. And I just think that's where Parramatta gets very unlucky sometimes, and it's sort of out of their control. Yeah, I have heard you mention in your podcast before that uh, Parramatta need that big game star player uh, in their team. Uh, are they the sort of guys that you think if they became available that? Um, they're the star players that obviously would para, uh, suit Parramatta. Yeah, potentially, mate. I mean, uh, like, it's awkward, though, because, I mean, the guys you've got in 7, 6, and 1 are really talented guys. You don't, I mean, like, if you would have got, like, an Adam Reynolds, for example, he's experienced on the big stages, but you've got Dill Brand and you've got Mitch Moses. Like, it's not like you've got a problem in the halves. It's just about getting that experienced winner to come into the yeah. side. I mean, I, I I look at your team right now, team running out this weekend, um, guys that have won a premiership before, what is it? Is it just Ryan Madison? He he won coming off the bench for, for the Roosters, you know, like outside, Roosters, yeah. outside of that. And, and mate, I, I, I make it sound like I oh, just go out and get a winner. These guys are bloody hard to get because these guys, there's only been three teams that have won premierships in the last five or six years. These guys tend to stay at those clubs. You guys also don't want to pay an arm and a leg to get, you know, to yeah, overpay right. for someone. Mate, it's a, it, it's an awkward situation. I make it sound really easy, like just go and get one. It's it, the reality of it is that it's bloody hard to do. But you know, you've you've tried to do the best things around that by bringing in guys like Joey and these sort of guys, and I think they have had a positive impact on um, your halves and your fullback. But once again, you're just in a you're you're in a tough situation. All things considered that you don't have a true winner to be in the same conversation as those top three teams consistently, it is a credit to Brad Arthur. Yeah, that's it. Now, um, do you think having co-captains is a good idea? Does having Junior as a captain take pressure off Duffo so he can concentrate a bit more on his football? Yeah, look, I don't mind the co-captains idea, but I think you have three at an absolute maximum. Um, You know, seeing the Tigers name five, that doesn't quite make sense to (laughs) me. Um, three at absolute max. I, I wouldn't be stoked with three, to be honest with you. I, I, I think two is the real Goldilocks zone. That's a good spot to be. And if I was to pick two, 
I think having a guy in the backs and a guy in the forwards is perfect. Um, I think Gutho has been a good leader for you guys. He's obviously still very young. He, he He's still finding his way in our game. You know, I think we... We, we sort of look at Gutho and we think, oh, you know, he, he's one of the you know more experienced guys in the game. He's still learning. He's, what, 26, 27, 28, around that mark. Like, he's still finding his way. He's also yeah. not getting those opportunities once. Like, who, who who are the other leaders that Clint Gutherson spends time with during the year? Like, it's just him. He doesn't go to Origin yeah. Camp. He doesn't do these sort of things. And that's, you know, that, that, that's just unlucky, the position he's in. But I think Junior Paulo's going to be a really good addition. And, mate, based on what we saw in the trials the other day, I thought Paulo looked incredible, and it looks like uh, he's taken a lot out of getting that um, that captaincy tag. Do you think he's the best front rower in the game at the moment? Um, on his day, yes. Um, it's hard, mate. You've got like you've obviously got Payne Haas, who is probably the biggest freak out of all of them. Um, he's yeah. very young, though. You know, he's you know he, he he's a freakish talent like that we haven't really seen before. Uh, then you got a guy like James Fisher Harris, who I think is really underrated. Um, as much as people rate him, I still think he's underrated. Uh, I, I could argue for him being the best front row in the game. I could even argue, you know, like Jared Rea Hargraves. He might not 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 have the stats and everything, but when it comes to the intimidation factor and and just being yeah. an asshole, he is fantastic at that. Junior is like the center of the universe of all these front rowers. He brings you that sort of explosiveness that a Payne Haas brings you. He brings you the ball playing. Uh, you know, I was just trying to think of someone else that has the ball playing of him, but he is the best ball playing front rower in our game. So he's got that to his game. He's got the intimidation side to him as well. He, he can just do everything junior. So, uh, mate, I, I think he's got the potential to be the best front rower in rugby league. I just find it hard to look past the freakish athletic ability of, of Payne Haas and what James Fisher-Harris has achieved. He's obviously been to two grand finals in a row, but, mate, Junior... I, I always look at Junior Paulo and Adam Fanua Blake and just think, good God, these two are so underrated. Not even funny. And as I said, Junior Paulo's got this unbelievable set of ball skills on him. And sometimes for a front rower, that can hinder you a, a, a little bit because you start to ball play a little bit too much. You start to go sideways. And sometimes... That can be the problem with Parramatta for me. They don't go forward enough. And sometimes... And that, that's, that's the thing with Junior. Like, his greatest talent can sometimes be his downfall because he does try and sort of overplay his ball playing at times. But once he finds the zone that just works for his team and works for him, um, mate, he, he is one of the more dangerous prospects in rugby league. I mean, you can't one-on-one him. You have to put three men into a tackle. With his subtle ball playing, right. if he's got guys pushing up next to him, he could, he could just be so dangerous. And he looks so dangerous... Um, the other day for Parramatta. Yeah, no, I love Junior. Who do you think will be the breakout Eels star this season? It's a tough one because your, your team's pretty like, like if if you would have said to me in October last year, what's going to be the Parramatta round one team? Like, I think I would have got pretty close guessing it. You know, there's not really anyone yeah. that's shocked me. Um, I'm a huge fan of Penasini. I absolutely love him. I, I remember watching him play schoolboy. Um, yeah. rugby union and I've just always been a huge fan of him so um, if you if you can de- declare him as already not breaking out I, I think he will be one to keep an eye on I'm very high on him I know he's a little bit older but um, Makatoa off the bench he's really impressed oh, yeah. me in trials he's got he's got a little bit of a I say a Papali'i sort of feel I look at him in Supercoach and I'm like oh, he, he won't get the minutes but I remember saying that about Isaiah Papali'i last year and good <laughs> God didn't that bite us in the ass, you know so Mate, I, I, I think there is um, a few guys there w- w- with a lot of potential. But as I said, 
sort of knew what the Parramatta team was going to look like from yeah. like October. You pretty much knew what the Parramatta team for round one this year was going to look like at, at round one last year, you know? Um, and that's credit to Parramatta and the squad they've built. Uh, but yeah, I'd probably go Penasini. I don't mind the look of Sean Russell, uh, but Penasini's definitely uh, my favourite one at the moment. Yeah, it's probably probably my favourite as well, Will. Um, there's a little bit of pressure and expectation on him, but uh, he's had a full pre-season and played the final footy last year. So, um, and did that, uh, I think they did that kick in, inside uh, for that one of those tries. At the trial game, so yeah, uh, no, I, I'm I, looking forward to seeing him. The the thing that, that really stood out to me for Parramatta in that trial was that they look like like that they always look like a team that is good, but they 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 just struggle to go to that next step. To to me, that for the first time in a long time, they look like a team that was playing the other day that that finally look like they've been together for five years. And that's massive yeah. for me. Like they finally look like everyone just knew their role. Everyone knew what they had to do. The forwards weren't weren't messing around and going sideways. They were going forward. They were getting to their spots they need to get to. And then even on that try, you know, it went through so many hands. It had a kick in the middle. Reed Marnie picked it up and, and just and just threw it straight away. It's just those those little things that you could see. Like like most teams with the amount of new combinations they've got, they wouldn't have scored that try. The, the right centre wouldn't yeah. have kicked it infield to the hooker and, and he wouldn't have held the ball for less than half a second and pop it up to his you know, edge back row to score that try in the pissing rain. So there's a, yeah, there's a lot of good things to take from, from, from their performance the other day. And I just love the way that they're, they're finally looking like they've gelled together as a team that knows each other inside out. Well, let's hope so. And what do you see as a pass mark for this season? Once again, mate, we come back to this. It's so bloody difficult. I mean, if yeah. you're, I mean, you, you have to be in the top six. If you're not in the top six based on your squad, I think that's that's a failure. Um, whereas, mate, the, the, there's 12 other teams in this competition that if I say if they make that's the, the, the top six, that's a raging success, you know? That's just the landscape of our competition right now. I'm, mate, I, I, I honestly think that you, you've got the squad at the moment that can win a premiership. I know, I know it sounds harsh, okay. but... Mate, yep. I, I, I think for you guys, if, if you don't win a premiership, uh, that's probably a failure for you because you should be that that should be Parramatta's aim now. You're you're no longer a just ho- hoping to be a top four team. You know, you, you might finish fifth or sixth, but you're a top four team. You've shown that on a number of occasions. So for me, uh, winning a premiership is if you don't win a premiership, it's probably a failure. And to be honest with you, that should be the same standard for every single team in this competition. And I think that's what we forget a lot of the time that. The objective is to win a premiership. For the teams at the bottom of the ladder, if they don't win a premiership, it's a failure. For Parramatta, who have locked themselves in, in, into being a top four team, not winning a premiership is is definitely um, a failure for me now. Yeah, well, I like the sound of that. And a, a couple of the Fox League uh, panel have picked Parramatta to win the comp this year. So. You always get a few, don't you? Yeah, yeah. There's always a couple. Here and, and so there. you should. Um, so you should, based on your squad. Well, let's hope we can end the drought and uh, it'll be a massive celebration. I can let it, uh, tell you that now. <laughs> no, well, yeah, mate, um, I, 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 as I said at the start, I've been lucky enough to see a couple of teams in their drought and, fuck, I, I hope I'm there the day that Parramatta do in their drought because that would just be an unbelievable day. Oh, for sure, and the aftermath as well. That'll be unbelievable as well. <laughs> you burned a grandstand well, down last time, didn't you? Yeah, I've always said that Parramatta fans are smart because they did that back in 81 and <laughs> they got, got a new stadium out of it. But I don't think they're going to be able to burn down Combank. That's going to be a good knock <laughs> if they do. 
yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, thanks for that uh, season preview of the Eels. We'll just wrap things up with um, a personality question. Get to know the guru a little bit better. It's a segment of six, so I'll call it segment of six. Yep. Um, is, it, is there a favourite sport outside of rugby league? Uh, favorite sport outside of rugby league, um, geez, not not overly to be honest with you, mate. I'd probably go NFL if I had to pick something. I uh, love my Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, even that, I've sort of because I spend so much time on, on rugby league, I've probably fallen out out of that a little bit. But uh, definitely NFL or probably cricket in at third. Uh, what's your specialty dish in the kitchen or on the barbecue? What's that? Sorry. What's your specialty dish in the kitchen or on the barbecue? What are oh, you good at whipping up, mate? I'm uh, I'm I'm good odds to uh, uh, burn wheat bix sometimes. I'm I'm not too great in the kitchen <laughs> to be honest with you, but um, probably my my specialty when it's my night is just uh, steak and mash, and and we get stuck into that. So hopefully I can yeah. continue not fucking that up, but I'm not confident. <laughs> That's all right. That sounds all right. Who is the most famous person you'd love to meet and have a chat with? Oh, geez, tough. Um, I would probably go with a rugby league personality. Um, probably a Cam Smith or a Cooper Cronk. I think that'd be um, peak for me as a rugby league nerd to pick their brains. Matty Johns would also be up there. Um, they'd probably be my guys. Yeah. Uh, if you were stuck on a deserted island, which three luxury items would you love to have with you, and which three rugby league players, current or former? wouldn't you want stuck with you? Mate, I think I'd have to take the phone, um, probably the laptop. As long as I've got my uh, my, my Supercoach side and a bit of KO, I think I'll be okay. <laughs> the three guys yeah. I wouldn't want to have with me. Uh, mate, I think Mick Ennis would probably have to be one of them. Um, exactly. He's just been rolling up people for a long time, and the more and more I listen to him on Fox Sports, I'm not sure how I'd go dealing with him. Uh <laughs> on a desert island just quietly I, I, I think that'll be a tough gig um, Terry Hill I think he'd be another yeah. hard one to handle uh, one of the quickest lips we've ever seen and uh, my last one mate I think I would have to either go probably Hopawate or Ricky Stewart I just don't think I could Ricky Stewart I would love to talk to he'd be one of my guys that I'd love to sit down and do an interview with but I just think long term he yep. would just uh, tear <laughs> me down and break me and Hopawate I just I see the occasional quotes in the Instagram post and I just think, good God, we are. There, there is a gap between the way that we think. So I think those three, mate, they'd probably, or those three or four, I think they'd probably be uh, the toughest ones to deal with. But I'd have my phone, I'd have my laptop, I'd have KO Supercoach, so I think I'd be okay. Yeah, but, uh, for sure. Interviewing a few of the players, um, asking about the biggest legends, it's always Terry Hill and Ricky Stewart's <laughs> names come up. So not too bad on the app. Uh, what's your favourite holiday destination? Not that we've been able to go anywhere for the last two years, but where's the next holiday going to be? Uh, mate, to be honest with you, I'm, I'm a bit of a uh, I'm a bit of a homebody. I, I haven't travelled a heap. I've, I've been to um, a, a couple of countries, but I'm not a huge traveller. We've got a uh, we've got a caravan uh, down the south coast at uh, at Jeringong and. Honestly, mate, it's my favourite spot in the world down in the Gong. I absolutely love it. Um, I will quite often um, finish podcasting on a Friday, drive down Friday Arvo and stay there until uh, Sunday night. 
then come back. Absolutely love it there. So as much as it's a really boring choice, I just absolutely love it down there. Great little town. Um, I'm a very much so a homebody, to be honest with you, mate. So, yeah, I'd probably go with the gong. Shout out to the Gerringong Lions down there. Uh, yeah, coach, former coach, the great Nick Cronin. You catch up with Nick often? Yeah, he's still uh, still behind the bar. So I've um, I've I've said to him a, a, a few times that we'd I, I'd love to have him on, on the pod one day, and he's all for it. So it's one that I'll definitely do in the future. Uh, I'm normally yep. a, a few beers deep uh, when I see him, though, so probably not at my best, to be <laughs> honest with you. I will. Uh, and the last one, who is your favourite band or solo artist listening to? I really don't listen to um, a heap of music, to be honest with you. I, I'm more a podcast sort of guy. I, yeah, okay. I. I, I honestly have no songs on my phone. I, I listen to podcasts all the time. Not yep. not just rugby league, but all sorts of shit. But if I had to pick something, uh, I'd probably go the Chili's, mate. Yeah, what's your favourite Chili's song? Uh, mate, I, as I said, I don't listen to a heap of music. I'm uh, very stock yeah. standard, so probably Californication, I guess. But, mate, I, re- I honestly couldn't tell you the last time I've sat down and listened to music, even when I'm, I'm working out at the gym or whatever. I'll be listening to podcasts as well, so a bit of a uh, rogue operator like that. On the on another side, then uh, other than a rugby league podcast, what's your favourite podcast to listen to? Uh, I don't mind the occasional like business podcasts that I tune. I, I like Mark Boris's podcast. I, ch- I tune into him occasionally. I had him on my podcast, and uh, we get along really well. I sort of knew one of his young blokes uh, growing up as well, so I enjoy listening to Mark. I love my uh, true crime sort of podcasts as well. I'm always getting into them. Um, I'm a bit of a coward though, so they sort of make me um, shit myself taking the garbage down at night and whatnot. But uh, I really do enjoy my uh, my true crime podcast. If I find one that's got ten or twelve episodes to it, um, you can just you, you you won't be able to find me for the next ten or twelve hours. You know, I'll be uh, I'll be glued yeah. into that and, and doing nothing else and and filthy when I have to turn it off to record my own podcast. You know. <laughs> Ah, nice. Well, Guri, thank you very much for joining me today on the Paracane podcast. I've really enjoyed it. And thanks for the uh, Parramatta Eels season preview. And listeners, if you get time, because we all know we're busy, tune into the Rugby League Guru podcast and also the Boys in a Bar podcast, which features the Guru. Um, and tune in and listen to that, that, that content because there's some great Rugby League content on there. As I said, every day, every week, and especially now that the season started. So, Guru, hope to catch up with you one day at the at the footy. And uh, thanks for joining me. Thanks, Troy. Appreciate it always, mate. Talk soon. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.